Well, praise the Lord. Good, good morning to everyone. Still is morning. Yes, it is. Well, it's good to be with you and a part of what God's doing here in a 10-year anniversary. Take your Bibles and go to John chapter 15. And at least we'll get to where we need to be so we can start. Had a really wonderful time last night. The room is packed out really well here this morning. And, and uh, then you put all of that together, and there's quite a few folks that have been coming through the doors here just in the last few services. So it's really a testimony to what the Lord's doing here in Boise. And uh, how many of you are thankful for God raising up your pastors and leaders and uh, the staff and everyone that's just so important to everything that has to do with this becoming an amazing lighthouse for this uh, community and for this region of the country. Aren't you thankful? I I had to to chat a little bit with your pastor after I saw the film last night and realized, you know, he was into Coors beer and then I realized that... (laughs) It was, it was just that he was going to buy a building, so I was feeling a little better, you know. No, I hadn't talked to him about that, so it was kind of fun. You could obviously put two and two together, what the Lord was doing and where you were headed, and, and uh, that's exciting, isn't it? I trust all of you are excited about it. And I realize that I'm hearing the ones that are excited about it. But let me encourage you, the rest of you need to be excited about it. And, um, you know, if, if, if your you know, mind's on that, that wrong wavelength that thinks about the expense, and well, then, then maybe we ought to just, instead of thinking about losing something out of our pocket over into the gain that we have in Christ as he multiplies yes. your seed sown and blesses you immeasurably over the course of the next year as things are taking place to get into your church. It'd be awesome to have the majority of you have increases two and three times before you get into the church, have new jobs, amen, have uh, all kinds of things take place uh, with investments and opportunities that you weren't thinking would be there just because you're in a position to help and to be a blessing here at this church. And then God puts you in a position to receive all kinds of tremendous kickbacks of grace that come in the form of financial blessings and your home being blessed and your kids being blessed. And so, um, you know, I kind of dare you to try to outgive God. Try to outthink Him. But if you'll stay over on that positive side and diffuse all that negative energy that comes during building projects and times where you've got, you know, certain plans to move forward and it takes everybody. If you'll, if you'll resist those opportunities, God will just amazingly bless you and you'll be surprised by the time you guys get into your first service how much more blessed you are for having gone through this with your pastor and with the leaders of the church and uh, having stayed the course and having kept your mouth and your heart and your intentions right there positive with God that He's our sufficiency and He's putting us over Amen. And that's worth, praise the Lord, a whole lot more than you think, what I just said. Amen. Pastor Mark, I know, is going to take me out to a nice restaurant after the service because of that. He was planning on doing that anyhow, because he's so kind. Amen. But no, I just felt like I wanted to say that because, you know, people, people get... Uh, get uh, You know, a little bit edgy when things like that happen. And you don't have any room to get edgy. This is where we trust the Lord. 
Wait till the Lord tells you to do something where you could lose everything. And it means putting your trust in Him. And you have to come to the place where you're willing to lose it all. Because until you come to the place where you're willing to lose any and everything, you'll never have the stamina to resist compromise. And compromise to the thing that you need is you getting in the way with your idea because you're afraid to put your trust in God. And when you do that, you nullify the grace of God and you might as well look for the help that you can find, the very best you can find, because you aren't going to get help from God. Amen? Amen. And that's sobering to a lot of folks, but really you, you, you ought to look at it as that's an exciting life to be in a place where we're, we're through with all of our ideas and God's going to have to come through. That's an exciting life. I know that tweaks folks and makes them feel like, you know, I, I don't want to live like that. I want to live safe. Well, what does safe mean? Safe was supposed to be where you could actually get out of a boat and walk on the water to Jesus. That's supposed to be safe. Well, I'd rather be in the boat. But then you don't get to be with him. Amen. Got real quiet here. We were rowdy a few moments ago. And this is just the introduction. Praise the Lord. Amen. I have to stay here a little bit until I work you over a little more because we can't go to the next point until you like the previous one. Amen. These are some really interesting things. We're going to talk more about it in different ways as we go on throughout the service. But these are some of the things, or many of the things, that actually trip us up and keep us from being able to experience the fullness of what God intended for our lives. And then we wonder and we, we bellyache about how come God and how come God and how come he did this for him and how come he did that for them and, and that person just got saved. And look at all the blessings that they're getting. Well, then that might tell us something. Maybe the one that just got saved doesn't know any better except to trust God. Amen. Amen. So we don't want them to find out that, you know, Christianity is about basically living the same way everybody else does, just having a tag on your back and getting to heaven. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I almost think it's better just to stay stupid than it is to get taught in the church wrong concepts that make us afraid and make us doubt God. Well, praise the Lord. I know that blessed everybody. <laughs> but on a more positive note, we really are seeing some great things all over the country, all over the world. Some wonderful things are happening. As, as, as I'm sure you would imagine, God is the same everywhere. And where people are hungry and thirsty, they're being filled with God's presence. They're being filled with miracles, all kinds of healings. Things are taking place on some really grand scale. Amen. And our eyes, if you're hungry for God, your eyes will start to see more clear in the day that we're approaching. Amen. We touched a little thing last night, you know, with, with the message of God's grace and why it's so important that we include God's grace into our teaching because as the scriptures declare in the last day, we're going to see just an influx of wrong thinking, an influx of sin. In fact, things will turn back to the days like they were in the day of Noah, where there was so much lawlessness that people lost sight of what was real. And they didn't have, have an understanding of how to come back to any place of uh, consistency where they could see how God actually made us. They lost that. They, their minds became dull and void. And today that's what it's like. What's right is wrong. What's wrong is right. People have no clue anymore. Yeah. 
We're back in that day where sin is abounding, but the Scriptures declare that where sin abounds, grace shall abound much more. Well, if grace is supposed to abound where sin abounds, then that means that you're going to see an emphasis on the grace of God in the last day in the midst of a lot of sin. Why wouldn't you? That's the prescription. The prescription for what? To get out of sin and the consciousness of sin and to leave the elements of the world that, in, that entice you to sin, to distractions, to not experiencing God. What gets you out? The grace of God. Understanding the provision that was given. Understanding the love that's there. Getting rid of all your condemnation and your fear so that you can come to God and have a relationship with Him and relax in the midst of all the anxiety because you're with the Lord and it's all going to be okay. And turn from His presence and go out there and look the world in the face and say, I dare you to try to make it any worse than it is. Amen. Because you found yourself a safety zone. Isn't that what it means to run unto the Lord and you are safe? He is my refuge and my strength. Well, what else could it mean? Okay, well, good. I'm glad we got that. (laughs) And we'll give a little commercial here, and that might help a little bit, take the pressure off. We do have some books and some tapes and things, or or CDs back there. You're more than welcome if you'd like. You don't have to to visit the table, and you'll see there's some really good things back there. And also I want to share with you, because it's it's kind of exciting and fresh on my thoughts, Um, we've started a a brand new part of our ministry, which is um, a live internet radio show. And it airs uh, 8 o'clock in the evening, Central Standard Time, Wednesday night. And I realize that's 7 o'clock for all of you that come to Wednesday night service. And so we have um, a solution for that. Once we air the show live, then it loops 24-7 for seven days. So you can pick it up hour on the hour. You can listen to it a couple of, couple of times if you'd like to, or you can not listen to it at all. That's okay. There is a website called theabidingpresence.com. You can get to it through jimhockaday.com. There's a link there that will bring you back and forth so you can listen to the show. On the website, there's a lot of, there's a, a lot of interesting writings that I am, I am writing along with my co-host that's writing uh, some things with me. He's about 155 days born again. His name is B.J. Rickard, and for any of you that are in the horse business, you might recognize that name. He had one of the, one of the most famous radio shows a few years back for 15 years. He raised it up from uh, zero to four million people in eight months in 97 countries. So he knows what he's doing in the, in the radio business. He's one of the foremost teachers in horses. And uh, he got born again <clears throat> in our meetings that we had back in the spring where we were teaching people to do the works of Jesus. And after the first session, he came up. He said, you know, that was really good. I really, really like that. Of which I found out later, he came saying, because he didn't pay for it, someone paid for him to come. Remember, now he's not born again. Why would he come to a church? He doesn't like church. He has an idea that all the Christians are hypocrites, so he doesn't want to be around them. He is a type of individual that is very, uh, extremely articulate, very no-nonsense. Uh, before he was saved, he's very... Mm, black and white, everything is extremely accurate in his life. Um, there's um, absoluteness about everything he does. His mind is extremely sharp. He reads over 3,500 words per minute with a retention of 97%. He said, 3% escapes me. I told him, I actually 
took that part. <laughs> you know, you might as well just say it like it is, you know. It takes me 15 years to read those 3,500 words, and I only got 3% out of it, so... But anyhow, you know, that's, it's, that's pretty sharp. So, uh, you know, the other day in church, you know, Aaron was watching him go like this and then turn a page and turn a page. She said, what's he doing? I said, he's reading. She said, he is not. I said, no, he is. Well, what's he reading? While we were finding Colossians, he finished reading the book of Colossians. She said, he didn't just read the book of Colossians. I said, he just did. There's only like five pages, and he just read them. So then a little later, he was reading. He said, what's he reading now? I said, probably Revelations. <laughs> so it's kind of pretty freaky. You know, I mean, like within, within a few hours, he could read the whole Bible. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, so it's very fun doing a show with him and to see what God's done in his life. So uh, he didn't even want to come. So someone encouraged him to come, that actually he worked on their horses. And uh, he came with the idea of saying, I'm going to listen to this guy and give him a chance. Because he Googled me and went on the website and looked at everything and said, okay, I think I like this guy. And, uh, of course, we're as different as, you know, as night today. But anyhow, um, he said, I'm going to give him a chance. He said, but uh, I'm going to listen to everything he has to say, and I'm going to do everything he says until I can prove that he's full of baloney. And, of course, his words are a little bit sharper than that, so. <laughs> you wouldn't want to tell him to curse the devil and, because he might actually. Well, he would. He would do it. Yeah, amen. Amen. So, anyhow, he came, and after that first service, he walked up, and, you know, now you understand the background. He said, you know, I really liked that. It was really, really good. And I said, well, awesome. I said, I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, I could see that he was limping because a couple years earlier he had, he had woken up to his, his, uh, one of his discs exploding in his back and there were 25 pieces of bone that they took out of him and the doctors left him paralyzed for life. And uh, he said, no, I've got too many horses to take care of. I can't be paralyzed for life. The doctor said, well, you are. Our church even got together and prayed for you that you would have a really good life in a wheelchair. <laughs> to which he said, you blankety, 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 blank. <laughs> Who the blankety-blank do you think you are? I will not be in this blankety-blank wheelchair. But I will, sh I will find you on your golf course and in front of your friends. I will embarrass you and call you a blankety-blankety-blank when I'm walking because I will walk. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Now, just to show you kind of individual, this is before he was born again. They brought him. I mean, he's like seven, seven months in the, in the uh, hospital. Obviously, you know, you would atrophy. So they'd bring him food, and he wouldn't eat it. And I kept saying, you've got to eat food. He said, I'm not eating food. Well, why aren't you eating your food? He said, because I'm going to walk. And he said, if I eat all of your food, I'll get heavy. And it'll be extra weight on my weak muscles. And it'll make it more difficult for me to learn to walk again. Well, you're not going to walk. Oh, yes, I will. Amen. And within the course of the year, he began to walk walked, found that guy, that doctor on the golf course. <laughs> Six foot two cowboy walked out there on the golf course and said exactly what he promised that he would say in front of all his friends. <laughs> so he walked up and he walked a little bit, you know, funny that night. And I said some things to him. He said, oh, no, I'm just here to find out what you're doing. 
uh, to people, I want to do to my horses. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, I want to help my horses just like you're helping people. That's the only reason why I came. I said, so you don't want to get born again? He said, no, I don't necessarily need that. I just need to know how you're doing what you're doing with people so I can do it to my horses. So the next week, uh, there was a horse that had an eighth of an eye, eighth of an inch hole in its eye, and it was blind. And in front of the vet and everyone else, he reached around, put his arms around that horse and said, in the name of God, you're going to be just fine. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. To which everyone began to chide him, give him a little bit of the business. And he just blankety, blankety, blank, as you can imagine, put him in their place and said, you watch, this isn't about me, it's about God. See, he learned that just from one session. And within the week, the eye filled in and the vet said, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen, but this horse is seen. Then the vet checked the horse, knowing that it had arthritis and bone spurs, couldn't find any arthritis, all the bone spurs were gone, even opened the mouth to look at the cavities, and all the cavities had brand new enamel in the teeth. It became such a big stir in Oklahoma that OSU, which is Oklahoma State University, all the medical profession found out about it and had BJ drive that horse down to OSU, where then they began to check that horse out. And after a whole day of checking it out, came up with the idea that there's no explainable reason why this horse is completely, absolutely healed, except it's a modern miracle and we can't understand it. Pretty cool for after just one week, right? The next week, I said, enough is enough. I said, give me your hands. When he came up to say, I really enjoyed it, I said, you're getting saved tonight, whether you like it or not, so pray this prayer. Amen. He prayed that prayer and left, and the power of God was now upon him. Amen. Started having experiences where God's starting to work in his body, where he's starting to have feeling in certain areas where he wasn't having feeling before. God's doing all kinds of wonderful things in his body, but then he went out and began to do even crazier things. He ran over a rabbit. He said it was flat as a pancake and dead as a doornail. He said, I felt so bad because it was the 8,000-pound tractor. I just didn't see it and ran over it. He said, Ranger and I, that's his dog. That's who he talks to. Ranger and I got out of the tractor, got down on my knees. He said, I even began to weep. He said, I said, God, this ought not to be. This is one of your creatures. He looked at Ranger and said, if Jim Hockaday is telling me the truth, then this will work. He scooped up this little bunny that was flat as a pancake, put it in his hat, and said, by the time we get around to, the field, to this part of the field, it'll take about 45 minutes. He said, that bunny will be raised up. Yeah. Took him 45 minutes, came back around. When he looked at his hat, there's that little bunny perched in the hat. He got down out of the, out of the tractor, went over and touched the hat. That thing took off running. Raised up a bunny. That's pretty good after three weeks. <laughs> and then by the fourth week, someone came in the feed store when he was there in front of a whole bunch of folks, and she was really upset because her cat looked like it was dead. They said, well, what'd you do to it? She said, I slammed my cat's head in a door. <laughs> Come to find out, she didn't just slam the cat's head. I mean, she got rid of all nine lives at one, <laughs> one door slam. I mean, she cracked the skull of the cat from front to back. It was just, I don't know, the tongue hand on not. So BJ said, all right, well, let's go look at your cat. She said, I need a vet. He said, after looking, he said, lady, you don't need a vet. You need God. She said, well, I'm a Christian. He said, well, so what? She said, I go to church. She said, on purpose, I don't.
She said, well, we need a vet. She, he said, no, you need God to touch this cat and his life to raise it up. She said, I don't know anything about that. He said, yeah, I know you don't. She said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, lady, listen, just put your hand on the cat. I'll pray for you. Not for the cat. I'll pray for you. Pretty insightful after four weeks, don't you think? Four weeks in Jesus, that's it. No other training. But his mind, you see, calculates absolutes. It doesn't calculate maybes, hopefullys. This might happen. That's not a part of a mind that literally can, can, between a red light and a green light, tell you every single car, every make of the car, um, the license plate of every car, who was in the car, what they were wearing, and even the insignias that are on your clothes. Got your attention with that? So he said, lady, I'll pray for you. You put your hand on your cat. And this is what he prayed. He said, God, please, please open the eyes of this woman just a little so she can believe just enough and then you can be God. Pretty good. That lady just cried out, oh, God. I do believe you. Please help my cat. And the next sound they heard was meow. The cat sat up. She looked at BJ. She said, oh, my God, this is a miracle. He said, no, that's not really a miracle. She said, well, then what is a miracle? He said that you, being a Christian all these years, finally believed God. She said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, yeah, I know you don't. She said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, you know, she said, I'll tell you what, all the ladies at my church would never believe this. He said, that's what I'm talking about, and your cat would still be dead. And then he said, by the way, you've got the ugliest cat I've ever seen. Can't believe God just raised it up. So those of you that would say, well, maybe it really wasn't in that condition, let me just share with you. She took it to the vet, called BJ up to tell him the story, that the vet checked that cat's head. It was cracked from one side to the other, definitely dead, and yet the vet said, it's amazing because it's like there's this band of healing that is around. I've never seen anything like it. Your cat is perfectly fine. And he said, well, if the cat's fine, maybe I should check the rest of the cat. So he scanned the rest of the cat and began to weep. The lady said, what are you crying for? He said, don't you remember three years ago we spayed this cat? Every female organ is back in this cat. It can have kittens. <laughs> she was so excited about that, she called BJ to say, you won't believe what happened. My cat can have babies. BJ quieted down and said, listen, listen, listen. Don't get too excited. I'm going to pay for you to get it spayed again because that's the ugliest cat this city has. We don't want any more babies. So that's my co-host. <laughs> Amen. And he's having just some amazing, wonderful experiences with God. And I'm just so happy that with all my teaching, I didn't mess him up. <laughs> because I could have messed him up, but I didn't. So I'm so happy. Praise the Lord. So great things are happening. You may want to get on the radio, uh, the radio show and tune in with us. I think you'll find it to be very fun and very unreligious, but at the same time we're saying some things, like we'll say here this morning, that are pretty profound. So if you're over here in John, and verse 15, we can look down here and see, well, there's a lot that we can see, but we'll just cover one verse, 
and then share some things with you that we did in the morning session. But it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, verse 7, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I just want to pull that word abide out because it means to have a continual experience in the presence of God. It doesn't mean picking up the Bible every once in a while. It doesn't mean going into your place of prayer every once in a while. It means literally staying in a continual place of acknowledgement to truth. Now remember what I just said. It means to stay in a continual place of acknowledging God in your life. Why is that so important? Well, Philemon verse 6 says that if you want your faith to become effective, it will become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. See, that's a principle. When you acknowledge God, you give tangibility to everything that is spiritual. When you acknowledge the earth, you give tangibility to everything that is of the earth. So keep that in mind as I take you back to Genesis chapter 3. Is everybody doing okay so far? In case you're wondering, it's about 18 minutes to 12. The Baptists will get out in about 15 minutes, so you're going to just have to wait till the second shift at the restaurants. We might as well preach a little bit. Really, we'll try to be good and be done here in a few moments, but I want to say some things that I believe will give you some ammunition for your week. And it may just entice you to come back tonight. Let's just fill this place out. You say, well, if everybody came, we wouldn't have seats. That's a great problem. Amen. Amen. And bring somebody that needs some type of divine healing, a touch from the Lord. Bring someone that, that, that needs uh, their mind to be, to be uh, uh, not only challenged with truth, but also the anointing to touch them in their mind and to get rid of all kinds of cobwebs. If you've been, <coughs> excuse me, if you've been struggling, <coughs> excuse me, if you've been struggling like that, please come tonight. Let us lay hands on you and minister to you. And I know we'll have some tremendous things take place. Okay, uh, Genesis chapter 3. And let's just cut right down here to verse 17. And it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. It's kind of an interesting verse of Scripture, but I just wanted to show you here that Adam and Eve now had, been, uh, had sinned, and both had sinned, taken of the fruit which God said, Do not take of. And remember what God said in the day, verse 17 of chapter 2, In the day that you eat of this fruit, in dying thou shalt die. It's a double death. In other words, your heart shall then experience sin, which then sin shall become the nature of your heart. And because of that, the sin nature will affect everything else in your life, and even your bodies will die that were not meant to die. Well, if sin could then eventually work through a physical body to bring it death or mortality, how much more would the life of Jesus Christ, which is immortality, immortal life, amen, eternal existence, how much more would eternal life that comes into your spirit not affect your physical body? Sure, it'll affect it. When have you ever picked up a Reese's peanut butter wrapper and it didn't smell like the Reese's peanut butter cup? All the candy bar wrappers smell like the candy bars. So what would happen if you got a new candy bar? It would affect the wrapper. When Jesus comes to live inside of your heart, I don't care what kind of sickness or disease you had, Him living in you will affect the wrapper. Yeah. 
it'll affect your body in a very positive and healthy way. Amen. Just God living in you. If you were to acknowledge every single day, Lord God, I thank you that you live in this temple. That you are at home in my physical body and I praise you for the benefits that I have from you, your eternal life, living in me. If you were just to acknowledge that every single day, that would be better than taking your one-a-days. And there's nothing wrong with taking your one-a-days. But that would even be better because it would be eternal life beginning to flow through your blood, going into every cell, bringing heavenly power to all your cells and kicking out everything that doesn't belong. It would be the best antioxidant that you could ever find. Killing all kinds of cancer cells and driving them out of your body. Just pure acknowledging His presence in you. Say, Brother Jim, that seems way too easy. That's where we're headed. We're headed back to easy. I said we're headed back to easy. We've got this thing so mangled that we've tried to get our brains involved with it and make it become something that God wanted to just be so simple that it would be like breathing air for you to experience His grace and love. Come on, you've been breathing air the last few moments and not thinking about it. That's what it's supposed to be like to live in divine health where you can't remember the last time you were ever sick. That's what it's supposed to be like to live in divine provision where you can't remember the last time that you were without. Praise the Lord. Okay. Verse 8, knowing that Adam and Eve have sinned, look at what it says. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, real quickly, what's wrong with this verse? And don't anybody answer if that was here in the first service. What's wrong with this verse? Because... I read it a million times over and over again uh, for years without ever seeing this. It just was, made sense to me, everything that's said there. It doesn't seem like anything's wrong. But did you consider what was taking place in verse 8, that Adam and Eve were sinners while it was happening? Someone will say, well, they hid. I heard that they hid. And yes, they did. What did they hide from? God, or it says it here more specifically, his what? presence. So then my question is, isn't it interesting that they recognized where he was? Because today, come on, help me with this. Isn't it one of the greatest desires in the church world that wants more? I have to clarify that because most of the church world doesn't want more at all. They just want to go to church to say that they've been to church and then go back and live their life the way they know life to be. And they don't really want to know if there is a different way to look at life. They're actually very fine with what they've accepted to be life, which really hardly is life at all, when you actually consider that we've been made in the image and likeness of God. And when you get born again, God actually comes to dwell inside your being. Do you think that God would live lives like we live lives? I really, really don't think so. Do you think the only method of transportation is your car? Or do we have any record that people were ever transported? Scotty, beam me up. Amen. Well, yeah, but that's a special occurrence. Is it a special occurrence or is it possibly a spiritual normality? But we're living in what? In such an unnatural, earthly, carnal existence that we accept what's just normal to people. 
It might not be normal at all to God. It might be very unnatural, unnormal to God. I'll take this silence as though that's a good thing right now because you're thinking. All right, let me just go down this path for just a second before we answer some of these questions. Let's just take the word supernatural and see what it really means to our conscience. Because when you hear the word supernatural, it really becomes the thing sought in Christian circles, isn't it? Man, that was so supernatural. That was amazing. And I just know God's going to do something supernatural for me. But here's the problem. Because it's so elusive, and because it's only really experienced by a few, it really ends up kind of being a little bit like a raffle ticket when the odds are about 200 million to one. Not real sure when you can count on that supernatural experience, but you're really hoping that you might be able to be, well, the winning ticket. You might have it. Not sure, though. So it really stays in the arena, supernatural does, of what we're seeking, what we'd like to have, but not necessarily what practically will happen because that's not necessarily what everybody experiences. Did you get that? Now, who might set that up like that? Do you think God would set that up like that? For you to kind of think it might necessarily won't happen because natural really living is people don't experience this. This is like a raffle ticket. Even if the odds were better, I still don't really know that it would be, I'd have the ticket. Do you think God would set that up? Or do you think that the devil negative influence would set that kind of system up to make what is so normal and natural in God seem to be so, well, unexpected, unnatural, not normal. Just don't get your hopes up. Right? Come on, think about it. The word miracle, even though it's mentioned in the Bible, the word miracle, yet we've done the same thing to miracle. It's something that we're all going to stretch our hands out and believe for. Because why? We all need to get involved. Send a lot of energy there because this is something that's beyond the norm. Yeah, brother, I mean, I'm feeling that wow too. Like, you know, if there was a door right now, I could run out and just jump in a car. I might be really good, you know, get out of town now. Before someone wants to lynch me up right here. Are you all doing okay with this? Come on, think about it a little bit. I mean, is anybody feeling like, you know what, that's just preposterous. I think you're really off the mark. Go ahead and vocalize it. Anybody having a struggle with that? Isn't it interesting? Is it possible that the devil's woven this or spun this web for us to look at certain terms that should be so natural? Really, if you could take the idea of what we've done with a miracle and the idea of what we've done with the word supernatural and put that into a category of natural, meaning that everything in God, everything that feeds your spirit into a relationship with Him and gives you what God has meant for you is natural. And with the word natural comes the idea of normal, regular, and to be expected. Now, just begin to think of things that we've said, wow, that's supernatural, that's incredible, that was a miracle. And put that into the category, oh, that's just normal. That's what's natural. You're kidding. No, it's regular, like regular occurrences all day long. Really? Oh, it's what I expect on a regular basis. I mean, every minute of the day, that's just my expectation. Well, how can you expect those things? They're, such, they're so big. No, that's just what God does. That's how God does things. I mean, God's just doing what he does, which is so natural to him. It just seems to be so unnatural to us, but it should be natural. Yeah. Yeah. 
and all of a sudden you've just changed something that it's kind of like a lock. It just clicked a little bit, and then all of a sudden it went right like it's supposed to. It went right in. So if natural became what has been our supernatural, then what's the opposite of natural? Unnatural. Now what do you think of when you think of unnatural? Well, you've got to think of everything earthly. Everything that's of this world. Everything that has the potential of leading your spirit down a road where you're distracted from experiencing God would be unnatural. And guess what? With the word unnatural comes the feeling of, wait, 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 that's unacceptable. Because that's unnatural. Come on, think about this for just a second longer. How have we lived in what we've called a natural world? We've lived with the idea that just regularly and to be expected and normally if people have problems, situations happen, a lot of stuff hits the fan. I mean, you know, sickness is a part of it and there's all kinds of grievances that are a part of it and strife. You have to get over it because it's just natural, but don't worry about it. We'll, we'll make it. And that's how we've accepted life to be. And over hundreds of years, people have shown us that that's what's to be expected. What if that had nothing to do with the way God intended it to be? Amen? And if you can understand the way that you've been thinking about this natural world is now unnatural, and the first thing that happens when something negative comes up is, whoa, 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 wait wait a minute. That's unaccepted. Just your acknowledgement that that is of this earth and it's unaccepted, and it's not coming near me, is enough to diffuse every bit of the enemy's attempt to pull you into some distraction that would, that would affect your body, your mind, your life, your home, your family, and anything about you that has an experience with God. The enemy does not want you to abide with regularity in the presence of God because there you find him and taste and see that the Lord is good. It's all over for the devil. Negative energy loses all of its effect because little do we have we realized over the years the devil is not some big creature with a big pitchfork and a big, a big red tail and big red ears and some big giant that's good. No, even the prophet Isaiah said, in the 14th chapter, he shows us the throne room, and while we're standing there in heaven, God drops in our midst the devil, Lucifer, Satan, and we all gasp and say, are you kidding me? Is this what caused men to tremble and brought nations to their knees? In other words, no! He couldn't have been that, that ridiculous and that chaotic and that small and insignificant. Amen. Surely he was bigger, he was stronger, he had more power. No, Jesus stripped him of power. Jesus destroyed principalities and power. He made such a show of them for the purpose of letting you know you'll never have to fear this entity called the devil. Negative energy or negative influence ever again. I don't care how big the smoke screen is, how much it feels like you're dying. You're not dying unless you accept it to be so. The moment that you acknowledge this is of the devil, this is negative, stop, it's unacceptable, like a wind blowing a fog away. It's done and it's over. 
Some say, wow, I want a life like that. Well, that's natural. That's normal. That's regular. And that's just to be expected. Praise the Lord, I'm happy. And I'm also hungry, so I won't preach very long. (laughs) Amen. So is it possible that right here in this service, because we've been acknowledging God his glory and we've been diminishing diffusing a lifestyle of negativity that there is a increase of spiritual grace like air you breathe and if I take a walk I only need a certain amount of air but if I take a jog I need much more But if I take a sprint and run as fast as I can, I need a lot of air for my lungs to keep me going, don't I? Here's the coolest thing about this planet. There's plenty of air. I said there's plenty of air. You want to take a sprint? Guess what? Just breathe. Why? Because you'll get plenty of air. That's the grace of God. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Still potential, but right here while we're breathing air, it's synonymous with the grace of God increasing and people's bodies are being healed right now. Sicknesses are beginning to leave you. Inside your body, they're being destroyed. Those cells are dying. Pains are already leaving many of you. Bones are being added to with cells that will keep that uh, disintegrating disc from being disintegrated anymore and God's putting it back together. What's the possibility? Especially if it's natural and normal and to be expected and regular. Oh, see, you didn't get that. Huh? I said especially if it's just normal and regular and to be expected. See, if it was a miracle or something supernatural, then, you know, we better all pray. And I sure hope you came here clean in your heart. See, now you get back into the old way we've thought. I didn't do enough. I didn't read enough. I didn't pray enough. I, I had some bad thoughts, so I guess God's limited. No, that hinders you. Don't hinder Him. So there we go. We jump right back into old thinking. No, stay into this thought pattern right here. What's normal? God's ability working through your body. I mean, why wouldn't it? Do you think God loves to be in a container where he can't get out like a genie in a bottle? Oh, that would drive him nuts. Do you think God really would create in you a human spirit that is divine in nature and then he willingly jumps inside that spiritual container so that he can stay in there and like a bottle just go everywhere you go and get banged up but never be able to express himself? you think that's what he created, a living hell for himself? Come on, interestingly enough, isn't it interesting to follow the ministry of Jesus and notice that Jesus never did say, I'm sorry, guys, I could have done better if it wasn't for this ragtag body that God gave me. Isn't it interesting that he never made any reference to the fact that his body slowed him down from being able to express and release power and glory right through his body that would touch people and change their lives and raise the dead and cast out devils left and right? 
Why? Because God made him that way so that full expression of God in a physical body, it would connect two worlds, God's world of spirit and the, the, what we've called the natural all these years. It is not. It's an unnatural world of flesh. And he connects the two together. And God is unlimited, able to manifest himself at will through an individual who yields to the spirit. Well, absolutely. Isn't faith a part of knowing God? Absolutely. And that comes from what? Relationship. And that's where we've been sadly missing it, isn't it? In fact, we've even led people. I know it's just like this in many churches. I'm so glad it's not like that here. But in many churches, we try to connect people to the church. And then give them a relationship with the Word. And God sadly left out. Where we should be connecting them to God and leading them into a relationship with God and letting the church be a building where we can come and perfect that relationship. And then the Bible becomes the treasure map to show you how to experience Him 24-7. Where you're not so happy about the Scripture that you've memorized as you are about what that scripture leads you to find. Wow, praise the Lord. Kind of taking a different little turn twist here, huh? It's a good thing I'm not thinking. Oh, I love it. I love interaction. Amen. You did just right. That's perfect. Wow, God's in this room right now. I mean, it's pretty thick. It's pretty thick. Do you notice? I'm noticing because I'm looking at you. But do you notice how the majority of you are riveted to what we're saying? Do you know what that means? Your spirit is engaged. And this is the same way, with the same focus, that you engage God on a regular basis. And if you'll begin to do that with regularity, clarity will begin to increase. And you'll begin to hear His voice and recognize His presence with such clarity, it'll start to look like this, even though these guys actually weren't even saved. They were sinners. That's what's odd about this. They heard the voice of God and recognized His presence as sinners. So what is going on with the church? And why are we treating God as though He's not here? Oh God, we just want more of You. Oh God, we just want Your presence. If we could just have Your presence, Lord, and if I could just hear Your voice, and what You've done is if You've just acknowledged negative influence that's made you to think that you don't know his presence and you don't know his voice when Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. You've just acknowledged negative influence and by doing so, you've just given tangibility to something negative. And the moment you do that, the devil, he builds a wall. And I don't have time to run through this because I'm actually closing in just seconds here. But if Neil represented God and Jesus paved the way for us to come without variance right to God, 
It's very interesting that the moment you begin to acknowledge the things of this world that distract you from God, it's a wall. And, and your, your path is clear. But to you, it looks like I've got to go this way, but then I've got to go this way. And the next thing you know, you're in a maze and you don't know if you can find your way out. In fact, most people in the maze get frustrated enough to the point to say, I guess this is just the best that my spiritual life will ever have. And we settle for something that is so beneath us when God's going, I paved the pathway. I gave you the ability to see me. It's right here, right now, before your face. Come on, it's like Gideon having an experience with God, but he doesn't recognize God's right there until he recognizes it. And then he about lost his life saying, oh my God, I've just been in the presence of God. The focus that we're having right now is being there. Our spirits are engaged. But sure enough, you can bet on the fact that when you walk out this door, the devil will use a situation or an individual or a thought. Oh, I think he's thinking that about me. I don't know if I like that. You know, he really needs to just mind his own business. Or someone will say something that all of a sudden tweaks you and you think, I need to just let them know, you know what, that was wrong. And next thing you know, you begin to acknowledge earthly things that really mean nothing. Your phone can go off 15 times while you're endeavoring to have a relationship with God. And if you go back to those 15 calls, 15 of them meant nothing. Distractions. Why? The devil do everything he can to take the focus that you've just given God and begin to impede that, distract it, distort it, until you can't remember what it was like to have that kind of focus. Because you're back into a carnal way of thinking where the world now absorbs your energy. And the more you acknowledge the world, the more you give it tangibility. Well, brother, let me just tell you something about your message. I'll tell you what, I know this is right, and I know this is real in my life because I'm experiencing it. Yes, you are, but you've given it tangibility. The truth is different as far as night to day, as far as the distance between the earth and the sun. But you think it's real because you gave it tangibility. What's the possibility we're living in an earth and the devil's got this thing tweaked and there's a web of deception here. And we're just flowing right in that deception, thinking everything's just hunky-dory, just accepting life as it is. What would happen if there were more, greater experiences, like Adam and Eve are hearing the voice of God in complete sentences? Doesn't that actually cause anybody in here to want to, like, step up in your hearing? Come on, some of the best Christians we know pray four or five hours in other tongues and, 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 and fast and pray for three days just to get one word called go, but don't know where. Like, do you think that's really how God communicates? He says, go. I'm so excited, I'm going to go. Where are you going to go? I don't really know. So you think that's God's intelligence? He'd like talk with you and say, go, get you all excited, but you have no clue. Where? Or do you think God's intelligence is just like this? He talks in complete sentences. How come I'm not hearing incomplete sentences? There you go. How come? Because the soul of Adam and Eve, even though their spirit was not in fellowship with God, their soul only knew his presence, 
In other words, their radio station was only tuned into God 101 FM AM where they knew his presence and they knew his voice. And just because they sinned didn't mean their soul wasn't still attached to that frequency. We get born again. God comes to live in us. We get filled with the Holy Ghost. We're empowered. We're seated at the right hand of Almighty God. And every advantage to us is given beyond our wildest imaginations. But our radio station is still tuned into, woe is me. I'm just sick. I'm just diseased. This life is the best that I know it. And guess what happens? We then minimize every great and wonderful thing there is in God. And we allow by acknowledging it for the devil to... Put a maze in our life, and we're saying, I wonder where God is. He looks foggy to me, and He's right there. And simple acknowledgement of God, understanding this deception, blows it away. That's it. And the grace of God causes you to go, Daddy. He says, Son, I've been here all along. And you're going, my God, I'm hearing your voice. Of course you're hearing my voice. You're a spirit. I'm a spirit. They that worship must worship in spirit and truth. I'm recognizing your presence. Well, I've always been with you. Isn't that the last thing my son said? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Did you think that it was anything but that? Would I say that and then be less there than I was even for them under an old covenant? Lift your hands right now. Father, we thank you for what's being said and how it's tweaking our hearts. Wow. There's an anointing in this room, folks. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory. Glory. Arthritis is disappearing here right now. I'm telling you, pain and dysfunction, it's leaving you right now. My, 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 there's something going on in someone's brain in here where you've been attacked and there's cells that are coming against your memory, but God's destroying that thing even as we speak and your mind is being quickened. Hallelujah. Coming back to reality. Yes, it is. There's someone's physical heart here. You've been laying down at night and there's been fear in your life because you feel that heart beating like it shouldn't. But I'm telling you, I challenge you, lay down this afternoon and be, be full of faith and no longer fear and you'll see that God has just touched your heart and He's brought your heart back to perfect rest and perfect peace. Beating as it should beat. There's someone's urinary tract that's been infected. You're being healed, as I say, as we speak, as we talk. You're being healed right now. Someone's gone gallbladder's being healed and you might not even know how it affects you but the pain and the discomfort and the swelling it's all leaving you in Jesus precious and wonderful name and someone multitudes of you many of you with sinus problems that's all departing right now as you breathe in air you're breathing in God's grace Woo, glory soars in someone's mouth that's leaving you right now in the wonderful name I'm telling you the glory the anointing, His presence, His voice is speaking, manifesting, and moving. As we acknowledge Him, we give Him tangibility, and the Spirit of God begins to move in your body. There's a correction in someone's thyroid here this morning. I'm telling you, God whew, just moved on that thyroid right there, right then, in the name of Jesus. And I declare as God's messenger every tumor, every growth, every lump, every bump, I command you to dissolve and depart in these bodies here in the name of the Lord. Amen. Even ankle bones are receiving strength where some of you have had some weakness. Now the Lord is having His way in your lives and in your body right here today. Give Him praise right now. Let's just worship Him.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 I'm not going to sing it for you. I did in the first session. Was that little song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You just experienced that this morning. Guard your heart with all diligence, Solomon said in Proverbs 4. Why? Because out of it flow the issues of life. Why? Why would you say guard your heart? Because you'll leave here and you'll be tempted. The devil put all kinds of junk in your way. You'll be tempted to yield to that. Next thing you know, you got cat fights going on and you got all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, people are, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, look at that. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. Topics of conversation end up being negative about this and negative about that and negative about this and that. The next thing you know, just webs. And you're back being more conscious of what we call earthly carnal things. And you're just taking a step away from being so cognizant and aware that God's all I need. Hallelujah. Pastor?